Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome in Lake Kick is live. It is Thursday night, October 7th, the Overlord 2021. You better believe we're jam-packed tonight. We've got one of the biggest Saturdays of the season on deck. It is week six. We are just about at the halfway point for just about every team in the country. And so we're going to cover a lot of games tonight that we didn't even get to Tuesday night, just to give you an idea of how loaded the week is. You know, we have, we have not made... Colin's been a good day. I mean, really, we haven't made any death threats. We've wished Bebe a happy birthday, and a lot of this is inside nomenclature, but boy, it'll make sense in just a second. I've got to talk about the state of LSU football. However, it's going to sound a lot different than the segment the other night sounded, because I got a lot of feedback on that segment. And this is, to me, one of, if not the biggest stories in college football right now, and it's totally independent, and I want to make this clear, of LSU's game against Kentucky Saturday. So there are some things we need to talk about tonight, because I think there are not one but two glaring misconceptions nationally about LSU football and where they are right now. Things may not be nearly as bad as they appear on the whole. There may just be a couple of areas where it's maybe even worse than it looks. Uh, How about all these undefeated teams out here? I think some of them are legitimate. I think some of them may be a little bit illusionary in nature. There are probably some undefeated teams that have multiple losses coming in the not-too-distant future. So we're going to break down every undefeated team tonight. We're going to do it really, really quick, obviously. And I'm going to give you my very, very quick thoughts on each. I'm going to kind of juxtapose where the AP is versus where the JP poll is. One of you actually suggested that the other day. As usual, your ideas are better than mine. I got a bunch of Week 6 games, as I said, that we still have to predict. Uh, We're going to go just down the list in a second. All that, plus we got some added best bets on the Ramen Noodle Express. Make sure you're following on Twitter and Instagram at Late Kick Josh, uh, we put two more best bets out there today. They've been out for a couple of hours. I don't know if the lines have moved. Uh, the best way to make sure that doesn't happen to you is to be following it. Also, we have to talk about something. I got to get your input on this. Uh, we've got a little situation that unfolded last Saturday. As I explained on the Sunday show, it turns out too many of you showed up to college game day with Late Kick signs and Pate State posters, and so they got eradicated. They got banned. We got put on the banned sign list. And so all the late kick posters got taken to sign jail right there in Athens, Georgia. And so college game day basically put us on the banned list. But I looked at it through what I thought was a pair of sensible lenses. And I said, you know what? Okay. I grew up loving college game day. I grew up revering multiple figures on that show. They have been institutions in whichever household I happen to be in on any random Saturday morning throughout my childhood and early adulthood and now whatever you want to call me. Um, And so I reached across the table doing what a mature YouTube host should do. And I said, truce, dot, dot, dot. I haven't heard back from college game day. And we tagged him on Twitter And I am perfectly willing, as I said, to bury the old hatchet. I don't want to be messing up the background at college game day. But at the same time, I mean, come on. Is there not a modicum of respect on the other side of the aisle here? Can we not even get a token handshake emoji out of college game day? If we can't, I can't in good conscience honor this truce. 
and neither can our friends in Dallas, Texas, who are going to be at the Cotton Bowl right along with us Saturday. And so I don't want to be sitting here fomenting poster insurrection. I just want to just want to be acknowledged. We just want to be heard. That's all we want. So, um, hey, for those of you looking for sign ideas for game day Saturday, hang tight. As I said, our balls are in their court. And that's all I'm going to say. All right, let's enter the show tonight. Uh, we've got... Oh, we got so much to get to, but I don't think it's going to be an hour-long show. We just got to we just got to cram it in here, kind of Vienna sausage style. Oh, I used to eat those things. Colin, I used to eat those things by the by the canful. What was I thinking? Washed it down with Sunny Delight, Vienna sausage and Sunny Delight. Every meal takes about thirty-seven minutes off of your life if you combine the two. All right, let's get serious here. Um, the other night we talked about LSU in great detail, but I want to go maybe a couple of different directions tonight. Colin, let's, let's endpoint it right here. Three, two, one. What's the state of LSU football? And whether you live in Casper, Wyoming, or Bossier City, Louisiana, will probably determine how you answer that. I think the closer you get to the LSU program, the more you probably understand what I'm about to say is true. But nationally, I think the whole quote-unquote narrative out there nationally about LSU is totally out of whack on two fronts. I've felt for a long time, in fact, part of the motivation for me starting my own show way back in the day, is I thought the national college football media apparatus totally lacked connectivity with fan bases on the ground. It's very hard to reside in a studio 1,500 miles away and you never get in the weeds and you never get in the culture and you're never on the board, you're never on the talk radio shows, you're never in the stadium. How are you gonna not live that life but also understand what college football fans are thinking. Well, the easy answer is you're not. And so there was this void. And so we've tried to do our part to fill it. Uh, But I think right now it's a perfect case study because there's a lot of national conversation going on in the whole media sphere about LSU. Things aren't great at LSU right now. The on-field product's bad. They've already lost a couple of games. They're a dog of three and a half points at Kentucky Saturday. And so, yeah, There's a lot of piling on. Some people accused me of doing that the other night. That's the last thing I did, which I'll address momentarily. But I think people are really missing the boat here about the state of LSU football. Because I don't think it's terrible at all. I just think they're in a bad spot right now. But there are a lot of folks who think LSU football is spiraling into the abyss. I am on the total opposite side of that fence. I think the program's ready to explode. Just not this year. But there are so many pieces in place for this program to take off like a rocket ship. I don't think people quite realize how ready, set, made that situation is. It's just probably going to be for a new administration. So um, the other night, I mentioned the first kind of -of out-of-whack perception I think exists nationally about LSU, and that is that a lot of folks look and they say LSU fans are out of whack with their expectation level and their perspective because you're less than two full years removed from a national championship and already you want to fire a head coach and already you want to hit the dump button. Well, first off, they don't want to hit the dump button entirely. They do, I think to a large degree, want to hit the dump button on the head coach there. But even having said that, the same devil's advocate voice would come back and say, but okay, that's the guy who led you to a national championship. I've had people reach out to me Not a ton of them, but enough for me to acknowledge. I've had people reach out to me over the past, let's say, 48, 72 hours. And they've said something along these lines. Wow, bro, so you were all on board with LSU back in 2019. And now all of a sudden, when it's convenient, you want to turn on them. You want to turn on us. No, that's about the last thing in the world I want to do. If you've ever listened to this show, and if you haven't, I don't really care about the opinion. But if you've ever listened to this show, you understand 
I fully root for guys like Ed Orgeron or Sam Pittman or Shane Beamer. We call them culture fits. It's integral to the fabric of college football. My best case scenario is a guy like Ed Orgeron succeeding for the rest of his life and residing in Baton Rouge, Louisiana for the rest of his life. That ain't happening. That's not happening. And also, it's not just Saturday problems. I got a good coaching buddy of mine who labels these sorts of things Wednesday problems. If it's a Saturday problem, it means it's a pure football problem and it can be fixed with good coaching and better recruiting and development, yada, yada, yada. That is not the case here. If you're living nationally and you're looking at this program from 50,000 feet, you don't get that. LSU fans are on the ground. As I said the other night, they're in the house, not looking from the sidewalk. They get it. And they understand things are even further eroding during this season. They don't see, they don't see the turnaround pad. They don't see any way to correct it. And I think for the record, they're right about that. But this whole, this whole allegation that if someone did something good a couple of years ago, you cannot change your opinion on them is ignorant. It doesn't exist in any other walk of life. If you had a kid and the kid brought home all A's on the report card, what would you do? Well, you'd celebrate it. That's a, that's a momentous occasion. Your boy didn't really get to experience that very often growing up. But then what happens if he goes and steals a car? And then two days later, he knocks off a convenience store. And then four days after that, he pushes a kid off his bike. Well, what do you keep doing? You keep saying, well, look, hey, I don't love it, but you did make all A's. How much do you put up with? Because that's kind of what's happening at LSU right now. It's not a volunteer job. Ed Orgeron makes a lot of money. This sport doesn't sit still. It's a continuum. It just keeps going and going and going. When Nick Saban wins a title at Alabama, how long does he live off of it? About five minutes. And then he moves on. You got to move on. 2019 was great. But no matter how great it was, they give out a total of one trophy for that year. Now, it was a historic trophy, but they give out one trophy for it. What do you do? Get to take the next five years off? Let me ask this question. What are the critical factors for a winning program? What are the critical factors? Because I would ask any detractor out there to maybe this attitude. Anyone who thinks Ed Orgeron is no longer fit for this job. What are the critical factors? And, and you, can, you can look up and down, like what are the key indicators that things are turning around? And then tell me where any one of them is lit green right now. Because I don't think a single one of them is. There, there's nothing short of emotion that you could base that argument on. There is no logical pro-Orgeron argument for LSU football right now. So anyone yelling at you about being negative about the guy just has hurt feelings. I mean, they don't have any logic there's no, there's no tangible evidence to base that off of. And then, here's where it gets a little more real. And here's what has LSU folks aggravated. And this is what I think people are totally missing nationally. What are the critical standards that Ed Orgeron demands his players to meet? And then once you define them, write them down on a piece of paper for me, and then tell me, is he meeting those standards? Is the leader of the program meeting the standards that he demands his players meet? The answer is no, he's not. People in the program know that. People around the program know that. That is not a Saturday problem. That's a Wednesday problem. That's not a fix your technique and we'll win the game 20 to 17 problem. That's like a, a critical factor problem that's not gonna correct itself. The second part, this is where the detachment is, is people nationally, a lot of the national media types think the LSU program is in disarray. The LSU program's not in disarray. Let me tell you what a program in disarray looks like. A program that's in disarray, you open your laptop every other morning and you see another guy got arrested. 
or you open your laptop every other morning and two more guys have hopped in the transfer portal, or you open your laptop every other morning and the few remaining respected, admired administrative types are on the first thing smoking out of town. None of that's happening at LSU. The kids aren't the ones getting in trouble. Staff members aren't fleeing left and right. Kids aren't jumping in the transfer portal. It's not a program in disarray. It's a head coach in disarray. That's it. And that's all. And that's what's going to make the decision, whenever Scott Woodward and company decide to make it, so easy. Because it's not a top-to-bottom torch the barn, kill the rats, total rebuild, block off the next four years and don't give us any expectation. Whoever ends up getting this job is going to step into a rocket ship. That whole premise is what has people so enraged down there. One of the main things that on the surface is a, a good axiom that comes out of Ed Orgeron's mouth is, Block out the noise, block out the noise, block out the noise, block out the noise. Dude, he's the noise. The players aren't the noise. The players have stayed in line. The players have done what they're supposed to do. The staff's done what they're supposed to do. The administration's done what they're supposed to do. They got a lot of good people down there. They got a lot of good kids down there. They're doing what they're supposed to do by and large. You have not heard more than a hiccup or two. Aside from the Dare Rosenthal deal, what else have you heard out of LSU? Yeah, you've seen losses on the field, but that's a team. The program's not in disarray. So the state of LSU football, to me, is not in a blender at all. What they're doing is riding out a thunderstorm. But see, if you pull up, you know, the old eye, Josh, you pull up the extended forecast, it rained in Nashville two days ago. It was really ugly outside. I'll tell you what helped me. What helped me is when I pulled up the eight-day forecast and I saw those little sunshine icons. It can look really bad outside in the moment, but the storms pass. LSU's just in the middle of a storm, but this thing's going to pass, and when it passes, You've got a top-to-bottom organization that otherwise is built for immediate success. That's why they got to nail this hire. If they nail this hire, this is a program ready to explode. I know it doesn't look like it right now because it's not going to happen in 2021. That's a program ready to explode. Everything is in place. The administration is built the right way. One credit that I will give Ed Orgeron and his staff, and this is not to be overlooked, is they have held recruiting classes together. And you know what that means? When those kids aren't jumping in the portal, you know what it means? It means they love LSU. I don't think all of them love the situation there right now. They got a roster full of kids that love Louisiana. I don't think they're going anywhere. I don't think there's going to be a mass exodus. I don't think in that athletic department there's going to be a mass exodus. I think there's going to be one major move that's made, but that's a lot easier to do. When it's so clear that the one move will circumvent the need to make 15 other moves, you make the move. They're going to make the move. This has nothing to do with the coaches show thing last night. Although it was entertaining, I had really no problem with it. I probably would have handled it kind of like Ed Orgeron did, to be honest with you. That's why I couldn't be a head coach. As I've told you, Colin, I would probably make death threats. So that's one of about 47 reasons I'm never going to be a head coach. Uh, The other thing is I don't think it's going to change based on Saturday. I got a couple of buddies who are adamant that, well, Ed Orgeron's future is going to be decided this Saturday. I don't care if they win 31-17. I think he's going to be gone. If they lose Saturday, it'll exclamate it a lot more. It's not a Saturday problem at this point. That's what I'm telling you. That's as clear as I can make it. It's not a Saturday problem. Loved what Ed Orgeron did in 2019. The last thing in the world I want to be saying is what I'm saying right now. But no one has brought any tangible sign that things are turning for the better down there. Anytime you ask, it's only, well, it's worse today than it was yesterday. And these are not necessarily people who are motivated to paint a crappy picture. They want to paint a rosy picture. You can't. You can't just make it up out of thin air because they make you play a football game every Saturday. LSU plays Kentucky Saturday. They're an underdog of three and a half points to Kentucky. And that's where things are right now. I don't think that's where things will be for very long. 
Okay, let's move on. Not a big fan of doing segments like that. Academy Sports and Outdoors is uh, essentially the best partner we've ever had. You know why? Because it's the only partner that we've ever had on the program. And uh, to my estimation, Colin, right now, it's the only one we need. Just from the time I've been in the office, which was, came in this morning, got back in about two hours ago, two and a half hours ago, I've gotten three messages from you guys that were showing me varying degrees of pictures or receipts that you had been at Academy Sports which is essentially what our audience is all about. Academy is over the moon. In fact, you have been so suspiciously loyal, if I were Academy, I would think it was just a bunch of late-kick burners. Having said that, I guess they do have it in their power to go and check the validity of these receipts, so never mind. I think they're just over the moon, and I know that because they talk to me about it all the time. Academy Sports and Outdoors has everything you need. And by you, I mean our audience, because I know you guys, because I'm one of you. We go to tailgates, we go to games, but we also, in lieu of paying you know, $115 for a random collared shirt, just get something for a fraction of the price that has a logo on the shirt you actually want to wear. They got it all. You want to grill some meat? They got the grills. You want to keep that forehead from getting sunburned? It's getting really personal now. They got the canopies. They have everything and then some that you need. If you're headed to a tailgate this weekend or you're just hanging out in the backyard, Academy Sports and Outdoors, that is why they are the official outdoor sporting goods supplier of the Big 12, of the SEC, and of Late Kick. We love having them here, and we only use the word love when we're very serious about it. But this is a committed relationship, if we're um, being serious, that we're in with Academy Sports and Outdoors. And if you cannot get to a store, that is perfectly fine. Academy.com has your hookup. And at the end of the day, what more could you want in life? Academy has got you covered. Week six is big, guys. Week six is really big, and it's right around the corner. In fact, it's It's kind of starting now, but don't turn the channel if channels existed on YouTube. I mean, we've got plenty of time. Let's dive in, though. So a few more games that we have not been able to get to so far. We already did the big ones. We did Iowa-Penn State. It's on the channel. We did, uh, what did we do, Colin? Georgia and Auburn. Uh, We, of course, did Red River Shootout, OU-Texas. That's where we'll be Saturday. But let's touch on some more of these games. Arkansas-Ole Miss is a huge game in the SEC West. Both of these teams in all likelihood, are coming off losses against the number one and number two in the country. Any given order, we got Bama number one by about one and a quarter points right now. I'm going to talk about that later. But this is the third consecutive week on the road for Arkansas, which is a travesty and should never happen. But they've gone from getting on a plane and flying to Dallas to getting on a plane and flying to Athens to getting on a plane and flying to Oxford. This is not New Mexico State. It is the University of Arkansas. I have, I've spoken my piece about their scheduling Erratacy? If probably, yeah, probably not. Uh, I don't like the way Arkansas schedules, but that's another, that's another topic for another show. I do like the matchup here. Now, the JP poll disagrees. I was arguing with it for the better part of an hour today, but I'm telling you, Arkansas, when I look back at that Texas game, which I think is the best indicator of how they handle Ole Miss, they gave up 118 yards through the air. Have you seen what Texas has done since then? And keep in mind, Texas did make the quarterback change during that game. I really like the matchup. This one gave Ole Miss fits last year. And what I was talking about with the JP poll is our own numbers have Ole Miss ranked higher on a neutral field than Arkansas. So it stands to reason certainly we would pick them at home, right? Just don't like the matchup. Even if we got them rated higher, I just don't like the matchup. I mean, they owned Matt Corral last year. And I don't really see any reason to change that expectation. What I don't like is I don't like the penalties for Arkansas. And I don't like that it doesn't stand to reason 
your level of discipline pre-snap or whenever you're getting flagged would all of a sudden tighten up in your third consecutive week on the road. But even having said that, I think Arkansas is going to find a way to cover the five and a half, which is the line, by the way. And I think they're going to find a way to win in the process. So we're going to take Arkansas. It's not overly confident, but we're going to take Arkansas in this game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I cannot believe that we did not see fit to do an Alabama-Texas A&M breakdown. Think about this. Colin, you could have gotten some money if you bet this in the preseason. It's the CBS game of the year. It's the one that we as a company circle with a red Sharpie and say, that one's going in prime time. And the spread is 18. Ugh. We didn't even break it down the other night. I, I tell you all the time, our criteria for double-digit spreads is we're only going to do a featured game breakdown if we think there's an outside shot that the underdog can pull the upset. Guys, we don't think Texas A&M can win the game. I, I see no percentage chance that Texas A&M wins the game. How would anyone have ever been able to predict that sentence coming out of my mouth in the preseason? So I have zero doubt about the outcome here. I like Bama to win. I like Bama to cover. There is something to watch here, though, that could bear some, some importance going forward. Alabama, although they're being painted as invincible right now, they're not. Georgia's not invincible either. Contrary to what they're telling you out there, they just happen to be the best two teams in the country. Bama's got some running depth issues. Now, the running back situation at the moment is okay because they haven't suffered another injury. This is one of the more physical games they will have left on the schedule. May not be a quality opponent, but you know you can get banged up in a three-touchdown win. And so what I'm very interested to watch here is the same thing they started to do last week in the second half. Did you notice when Nick Saban knew he had the game in hand, they ran the ball nearly two-to-one ratio to pass, and secondly, they burned a whole lot of clock. Now, afterwards, in the postgame presser, I was sitting right there. I think it was uh, Ivan Mazel asked, is this the identity of this Alabama team, or is this just the game plan today? And Saban said, that's the way we thought we should go about it today. I actually think there's a little truth to the front end of that question. I think that's the way they're going to go about handling games throughout the rest of the regular season. Now, there's going to come a time where they take the restrictor plate out, but they got to be healthy when they get there. And the best way to do that is strangle the life out of teams early and then end the game as quickly as possible. I'll tell you what that sets up for, Colin. A lot of second-half team total unders and a lot of second-half game total unders. So we're going to take Bama to win, Bama to cover. Uh, this could be the sneaky, most entertaining game of the day, night or otherwise. Michigan, minus 3.5, not 13.5, friends. 
Michigan minus three and a half on the road at Nebraska. First off, congratulations to our friends in Lincoln, because the last time anyone saw you, you were getting scraped off the road in week one against Illinois, and you guys were doing the scraping for the record. Everyone had given up on Nebraska, and yet here they are in a primetime situation. They are three and three, uh, yeah, the three and three on the year. They've played good ball over the last few weeks, and that's what I think is lost on a lot of people who cannot make sense of this point spread. This is one of many purposes for the JP poll, by the way. Because if you look at that undefeated versus three and three, and you say, field goal? Field goal and a hook? What? Come on now, don't you know record means everything? You are what your record says you are, right? Nope, you're not. At least when it comes to looking to the future. Here's what I think a lot of people remember about Nebraska. The reason, as I told you the other night, the reason most people lose money betting is because their mind works in a method of snapshots. The snapshot you think about when you think Nebraska football is what? They lost in week one, you forgot about them. That's what you think. And then the snapshot of Michigan is they run over people, they're undefeated. Those are the snapshots. That is no way to wager money, but yet that's the way a lot of people's minds think. Well, here's the way an odds maker looks at it, and this is a very dumbed down version. What if I told you the last few weeks, Nebraska has lost to Oklahoma by seven, they went to overtime against another undefeated team, Michigan State, they lost by three in overtime, and then they completely splattered Northwestern last week, 56-7. to seven. Does that sound like the same team you saw lose to Illinois in week one? The answer is no, because teams never stay the same. They either get better or get worse. They don't just, they don't just sit still. That's why judging the future based off the past 100% of the time is like lighting your money on fire. And so we look at this game. It sounds like I'm picking Nebraska. Sadly, I'm not. I'm just making the case for the point spread. If they can pressure, if Nebraska can pressure Cade McNamara, which Michigan hasn't dealt with this year, that turns this game. Because what that allows the crowd to do is become a factor. And trust me, there's nothing more that our friends in Nebraska want to do than finally be a factor in a big game on a national stage in primetime on ABC. Uh, It would be big. It's a big recruiting weekend for Nebraska. What I worry about is I worry about Michigan's defense being a little bit too much for Nebraska's offensive front. And I think it is. So I think it's going to be a hard-fought game, certainly not a blowout, but I do in the end think Michigan is a little more than just three and a half better here. So one possession game a majority of the way, I do think Michigan wins and covers very slight. If you hit me up with a text message at oh, probably about 11 p.m., when I will presumably already be back in Nashville, counting on you, Southwest, and you told me Nebraska had won this game, wouldn't be shocked. And I'd probably even come on air the next night and say, I told you to watch out for Nebraska. That's called fence riding. And we try and perfect the art around here. South Carolina at Tennessee. Remember, Colin, when we did a preseason segment and we were talking about week six and how big the slate of games was going to be, I gave a little little token shout out to South Carolina and Tennessee. And a lot of you, a lot of you slammed it. And it's not like this is going to be on the marquee this weekend, but I'm going to be paying attention to it. Here's the situation in the SEC East. It's a really funny dynamic. South Carolina and Tennessee fans both think they should beat the other every year. It's great. Kentucky is kind of mixed into this little menage a trois as well. Pay me $10 for working that reference in. Uh, But yet Tennessee's favored by 10.5 in the game. I hate the matchup for South Carolina. I love some of the recent energy Shane Beamer's had. I was on radio with Mark Ryan in Greenville today, and he said, hey, what did you think about Shane Beamer challenging Gamecock fans? If you're not going to show up, Give your tickets away or give them to me and I'll give them away. That's exactly what I want my head coach worried about. Hey, for the record, 
I'm with you, Coach Beamer. I absolutely agree. Now, I think that's kind of an epidemic that's being faced by a lot of athletic departments when they price the normal guy out of being able to get in the stadium, and then they find out that the sweater vest, bow tie crowd, doesn't want to come and watch you play Troy. That's a separate set of issues, though. But I do love the energy at South Carolina right now. Hate the matchup this weekend. I think South Carolina is ill-equipped to deal with Tennessee out wide. You know that the lasting image in your mind of Tennessee right now is that blowout of Missouri. I think they could stretch South Carolina to maybe not hanging 60-plus on them. But I do think that you know South Carolina's been plus in turnovers so far. I don't think Tennessee's going to turn it over. I, I really I don't think that's what's going to decide this game. So give me the Vols, and actually, give me the Vols to cover, too. And the last one, because I talked about LSU a lot at the beginning of the show. I didn't want to harp on this game too much. But Kentucky is a three to a three-and-a-half point favorite right now, depending on where you look, against LSU. It's the 7:30 game on SEC Network. Derek Stingley is out. Major Burns is out. Those are two obviously big blows to the secondary. Now the follow-up question logically is, well, is a team that failed to throw it for 100 yards last week equipped to take advantage of holes in the secondary? To some extent, I think they will be. That's what they worked on all week. And Will Levis and Cohen coming in as the new OC, they don't want to be duplicating that kind of stat line. But here's my biggest concern and what I think the turning point in the game will be. As has been well-documented, to the point of beating a dead pinata, LSU's run game is non-existent. I don't think it's going to show up this week. But here's the problem. That means you got to throw it. Now, Max Johnson's been decent at doing that. Kentucky's got the best defense in the SEC when it comes to preventing the explosive plays downfield, the 20-plus yard passes. They're the best in the SEC. I don't know if you've noticed, there's some pretty good defensive units down here right now. And so Kentucky has, here's what blows my mind. Kentucky's been winning and turning the ball over. What if Kentucky has a night where they end up plus one or plus two turnover margin? At the very least, I think this is their best shot at winning the turnover battle. Guys, I think they're going to win the game. I hate what I'm hearing internally from LSU right now. So I think LSU is going to drop this one. I want to stress if they win it. It doesn't change a thing about the way I feel about the program in the future. Having said that, we have this studio painted blue for a reason. It's not this, but I'm going to pretend it's this. We're going to take Kentucky to win the game and Kentucky to cover. The last thing I wanted to do right after I sip some water. Some people think that's a prop cup, Colin, but yes, there is liquid in it. Uh, the, the last thing I wanted to do, one of you suggested this the other night. I thought it was a really good idea. There are, well, how many are out? Too many to count. There are a lot of undefeated teams left in the country right now. Some of them are going to be there wire to wire. Some of them, you'll look back in mid-November and say, man, remember when that team was being hyped when they were undefeated? Turns out they just hadn't really played anyone with a pulse yet. So we need to separate the wheat from the chaff, as they say back home. You know, being the big farmer I was growing up. Alabama and Georgia, I don't think we need to waste a whole lot of time on here. Now, I did want to tell you, I should have gotten a fancy graphic made. I did want to tell you for the record, our model, which has a very good grasp on these programs and always has, has Bama minus 1.25 points on a neutral field. So Bama minus 1. Essentially a pick'em. I mean, it sees it pretty much like the rest of the country does. The question on everyone's mind right now seems to be, will anyone else emerge to sort of close that gap? And how wide is the gap between those two? At the expense of drawing some ire from some of my best friends, these are not invincible teams. I know that's unpopular to say right now. Georgia has not faced a quarterback with a pulse, at least flowing through his right or left arm. That doesn't mean they're not good. I'm just telling you there are, there are probably some minor vulnerabilities that you haven't been able to see yet. Alabama, 
man, I'm telling you, there are parts of their offensive line that are susceptible to a really good pass rush. They had trouble all day snapping the ball last week. It didn't bite them. Do you know, by the way, what Alabama's going to look like if one more running back is hobbled? Does anyone know what that looks like? Do we know if more receiver talent is going to emerge there? Have you seen the inability of Alabama's secondary to tackle in some situations? It's all masked because they're winning. And even though I'm pointing out these relative vulnerabilities, and I do mean relative, it's likely no one on the regular season schedule is going to be able to beat them. What I'm making these points to illustrate is it's not insurmountable that someone out there like Ohio State or like Oklahoma can end up finding their groove and being able to challenge those teams. Not on October 9th or whenever we're playing these games, but in late December, early January, it's feasible. So what I'm saying is, Don't write the last chapter of the 2021 college football season in October. It's not that easy to figure out. Having said that, yeah, I think they're a definitive one-two right now, then a pretty big gap. In no particular order, I do want to look at these other teams right quick. So Iowa, and I'm going to give you the AP rank and then R rank. The AP has Iowa at third right now. We have them in the JP poll at 10th. We don't rank. This is not a ranking. It's It's a power rating. So I want to make that clear, even though it falls on deaf ears. And they play Penn State this week. So Penn State, AP, and JP agree, four and four. This is the end of a critical opening stretch for Penn State. Remember, this is one of the biggest talking points that we touched on numerous times in August. We knew Penn State was coming off a terrible year. And we knew that the fan base there was willing to forgive it and explain it away due to COVID, as were we. But there had to be validation on the field to start the year. And they got beaten the box score, but won on the scoreboard against Wisconsin. And then they came home a couple of weeks later, one possession win against Auburn, and now you're kind of off to the races. You got in Indiana, they come in there, they get shut out, and this is the fourth game. This is the one, the one at Iowa. After they get through this, they got to buy. So they're at the moment, I think, a one-point dog on the road at Iowa. Uh, we picked Penn State to win that game, barely. So if Penn State wins that game, they got to buy. And then there's a second stretch that comes up a couple of weeks down the road. It goes at Ohio State. And then eventually they're going to play Michigan and they're going to go to Michigan State to end the year. The question's going to be, by that point, will Penn State have any wiggle room? The answer to that question will be given to you this Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern time at Kinnick Stadium. What about Oklahoma? What do you think about Oklahoma? There's a pretty, pretty wide degree of differing opinion out there about Oklahoma right now. AP has them five. JP Poll has them eighth. They are in the middle of probably the most treacherous stretch of their schedule, and they're still undefeated, and that's obviously very important. So they went to Kansas State last week, and they won. doesn't matter if you win by one or 100. If you're Oklahoma and it's Manhattan, Kansas, just win. Just go full Al Davis on them. Just win, baby. Then they got Texas this week, and then they've got TCU the week after that. Then you get to cool off for a second. Then there's a second stretch for Oklahoma that goes at Baylor, Iowa State, at Oklahoma State. That's kind of to end the year. So Oklahoma's in a good spot right now, and here's the added bonus. They have not played their best ball yet, presumably. I believe that. They have not played their best ball. Their best game is still ahead. So if you're undefeated and you have not put your A-list effort together yet, that's a good thing. Texas wants to know if it's going to happen Saturday. So do I. Uh, But that's a good thing. So I'll see Oklahoma in person Saturday uh, for the first time this year. What about Michigan? Talked about the Wolverines on the road in Lincoln, Nebraska, Saturday night. AP has them eighth. We agree. We got them ninth. So we're not really all that much different than the AP. Uh, They got Nebraska Saturday. 
Then they're going to go to Michigan State in a few weeks, and they've got a road game at Penn State coming up. They've got a lot of tough challenges on the road starting this week. And then they've got Ohio State coming in there. And you're going to have to forgive me and a lot of other people if you don't see that goose egg in the loss column for Michigan and you don't let your mind start to wonder just a second. As much as we don't believe in looking down the road in the regular season, to just think about the fact that Ohio State has stubbed their toe a time or two, already have a loss, by the way, and you know Michigan doesn't, and you know that streak is at like a quarter century at this point, and you know that game's eventually going to be played in Ann Arbor. And me sitting here knowing full well, I've never been able to go to Ohio State, Michigan in my life. And I am begging. I would pull money out of my pocket and put it on the table if I had it and if it would work to be able to make that game have consequence to that degree at the end of the year. So Michigan, we kind of agree with the AP on them. Cincinnati, we are dead even on agreement. They got them six. We got them six. It's important to note now, since they've already gotten through these two games on the road against Power 5 competition, they're going to be a double-digit favorite in a couple of the biggest remaining games. Not this week. I think they play Temple this week. But they've got UCF coming into town next week. And they're going to be a double-digit favorite against them. And then SMU, they're still undefeated. I had our buddies at collegefootballunlimited.com. I had them run a simulation for me on that game. What would the Cincinnati SMU line be right now, according to their model? Because I don't have the line simulation in my model. And they would favor Cincinnati by 16. That's a pretty fat spread. In fact, that, their model would like them against SMU more than they'd like them against UCF, just to give you an idea. So it's there. It's there to be had for Cincinnati. SMU, for the record, AP has them 24th. We have them 27th. Still not taking them serious as a legitimate undefeated kind of contender. Quite yet. We'll see. Would love for them to prove me wrong. All right, some other ones right here. I'm just going to go down a list because, I mean, this would take an hour if I didn't. Brigham Young is the biggest disagreement right now. The AP has him 10th. The JP poll has him 29th. We've made money off Brigham Young already this year, and yet the JP poll's not taking him serious. They've been winning games, and yes, that's what counts, blah, blah, blah. And if they win out, and I do want to stress this because I don't think it's going to happen, but if I'm wrong, which has happened before, and they win out, that is a schedule that warrants a college football playoff spot. Make no mistake about it. That would be a more impressive resume than Cincinnati. I don't think we're going to be having that conversation is what I'm saying. They may lose Saturday against Boise. It really has struck some people that I may not like Brigham Young, and that is the furthest thing from the truth. You guys wear the exact same wardrobe at games that I wear on the show. Why would I dislike Brigham Young? Uh, Michigan State, AP's got them 11. We got them 19th. Now, they're at Rutgers Saturday, and then they got a trip to Indiana. They got a bye, and then they got Michigan. So a really interesting stretch coming up here for Mel Tucker. They are not a team that is deep and talented enough to overlook anyone. Like this game against Rutgers, I think they're favored by five. They should win the game, but it's not some blowout. This is not the kind of team as presently constructed that can afford to throw their helmet out there and win games just because they're undefeated. Oklahoma State, big variance here. AP has them 12. We have them 26th. We do not buy Oklahoma State as a legitimate Big 12 contender right now, at least in terms of caliber of team. You have to take them seriously in terms of record, obviously. Uh, but they've still got their biggest test coming up. A couple of them, actually. Kentucky, AP has them 14. We have them 18. They play LSU Saturday. Kentucky then has a trip to Georgia the following week. Who knows? The Renaissance Tour may be in Athens next week. Coastal Carolina, this is to be expected. Wide discrepancy. AP has them 15th. We have them 30th. It's a great team. 
It's a great team for the caliber of athlete they have. It is not a team that matches up with even some of the two-loss teams out there right now. It is not a team that matches up with them. And that's all I'm going to say, and I will get a lot of pushback on that. And Wake Forest, uh, AP has them 20. We have them at 25. Wake is an interesting team there, though, because i got to give you full disclosure. There's some teams our model has a better grip on than others. I don't know if our model has a good grip on Wake Forest. So there are a lot of people who think Wake's the favorite to win the ACC right now. I don't know that there is a favorite to win the ACC. I just got a lot of teams that I'm not favorable on. I don't know who the favorite is. Um, it could be, could be one of the most in, inconsequential ACC title games we've seen in quite some time. I will say that. So those are some of the undefeated teams right now. Our thoughts on them. I think I'm going to start updating that list because the whole JP poll, AP poll ranking, normally what we see is towards the end of the year, what the AP poll ranking ends up being on those teams falls a lot more in line with where we've been for a little while. Not always. We're going to whiff on a couple of those teams, but we'll be right more times than not. All right, let's wrap it up with the added best bets on the Ramen Noodle Express. I've already given you one that's moved a point and a half. We wanted to get on it early. We did for this reason. So Memphis plus four and a half at Tulsa. That was our, I call it our best bet. We bet all of them equal. It's just the one we moved on the earliest. It's now down to three. We do still like it at three, but we want it at four or four and a half. So we got Memphis plus four and a half. Wake minus six is one of the more public bets that will be on all year. I called my aunt and said, you ever bet football? Nope, but I'll tell you I'm on Wake this weekend. Makes me feel great. Wake minus six, though. We are on them nonetheless. San Jose State plus two at Colorado State we are on. Here are the two added best bets for today. Ball State or Balls Tate, depending on where you want to put the space, plus 11 at Western Michigan. And then UTSA, University of Texas at San Antonio. At Western Kentucky, we're taking the Roadrunners plus three and a half. It's a fact that we're undefeated betting cartoon characters and food. So it was Rice last week. It's UTSA this week. Run, run, run. UTSA plus three and a half. Ball State plus 11. San Jose State plus two. Wake minus six. Memphis plus four and a half. That's about it. That's all I got to say this week. We are going to be in Dallas Saturday. I would just keep an eye peeled. Just keep an eye peeled on the social media accounts at Late Kick Josh. We're, we're just waiting. We are waiting uh, to see if our truce is accepted or not. The fine folks at College Game Day, all you got to do is say the word. We will issue the cease and desist. No more Late Kick posters. But if we don't hear back, then I have no choice but to issue the order tomorrow. I don't want to do it. I, it's like the Cold War. I don't want to do it. But if you force my hand, I'll have to do it. And I know you guys in Dallas are ready, willing, and able to assist in that venture. So thank you so much for watching. Uh, this is the second show we've done in our new studio. Director Colin essentially built this entire thing by hand. I mean, let's really be honest about it. There were some contractors. You know, there were some other folks here and there. But Director Colin, he has been hammering and nailing himself away in here. Look at these beautiful colors. Look at the animations. Colin, I think you told me at last check you drew these by hand. Wonderful. And all made possible by you. So thank you guys so much for that. For Director Colin, for our entire crew in Fort Lauderdale, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great start to your weekend. We'll see you in Dallas, Texas, Saturday morning. Until then, take care and God bless. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. 
reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.